Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. A lot of fun today over at the Raiders uh, uh, Tavern Bar and Grill uh, over at the uh, M Resort uh, Hotel and Casino in West Henderson, uh, just tip my cap uh, to everything the Raiders have done here uh, in in Las Vegas, and I say that because um, it's when you literally move a franchise from one city to the next, uh, it's 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 tough sledding. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, and there's a lot of um, you know arms and legs and trying to tap into this, the business community, you know, uh, creating a new fan base. Um, you know uh, the political, uh, you know connections that you have to make and support that you have to get, uh, and and for the Raiders to, you know, accomplish everything that they've accomplished uh, thus far is, is is pretty impressive. I bring this up all the time, and you know, no no disrespect at all uh, to the Rams or Chargers because I lived in California. I know how hard it is to get things done there, um, but uh, you know, you you look at. The Rams now have been in Los Angeles since 2016. They haven't even secured the land yet for a, a, a facility, let alone broken ground on a, on a headquarters. They're over in uh, Thousand Oaks at Cal Lutheran University at uh, still their temporary site, which they've been using since 2016. Uh, the Chargers joined the Rams in Los Angeles uh, in 2017. They're still in, in Orange County um, at a temporary site themselves. They haven't you know, uh, located or purchased land uh, for a new facility, let alone broken ground. The Raiders, uh, you know, stepped foot in in Las Vegas. Not only did they have a brand new stadium, uh, you know, at, at uh, Allegiant Stadium that they put together and they built, um, and it's spectacular, but they were also simultaneously, you know, building their facility in Henderson, which is a state-of-the-art facility. Talk to some of the players uh, now that uh, have, have uh, you know, signed here uh, with, with the Raiders uh, and taken the visit and the tour of, of that facility. It's, it's second to none in the NFL. That was day one that they got here, um, you know, to, uh, to, to Las Vegas. And so uh, it's just really, really, um, uh, it's, 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 refreshing what they've been able to do. And this was an organization that people, uh, again, I'm not going to name names, but they know who they are, didn't think any of this was possible. And, you know, again, you have to have vision uh, when you're, uh, you know, entering this kind of a, a proposition and when you have a vision for moving your franchise and securing your future. And it's not just the stadium. It's not just the team. Uh, the Raiders have been hitting home runs left and right. Now they have to get it. They understand this, you know, squared away on the uh, on, on the field. Uh, eight and eight was a step in the right direction, but it was still a disappointment. They were six and three at one point, and uh, and and looking at a favorable schedule coming down the stretch uh, to put, punch their ticket to the playoffs. It didn't happen. Uh, there were many, 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 many breakdowns. Uh, it was closer than people might think uh, when you think about and remember you know, some of the games that they should have won against the Kansas City Chiefs and Chargers and Miami Dolphins when they had leads late in the game. Just needed a defensive stop, didn't get it. Um, but they need to get that fixed, and, um, you know, and that's the goal. That's the objective. Uh, they want to win Super Bowls. Uh, they have their new home. They have their future is solidified now. Their financial wherewithal is solidified. This is going to be when when you know Allegiant Stadium uh, opens up for real. 
Uh, hopefully that's this year. Uh, like the commissioner, you know, Roger Goodell once once you know it has an expectation that it's going to be full capacity for fans this year across the league. Let's hope that he's right about that because if it is, uh, when you start talking about Allegiant Stadium and and what that's going to mean to the Raiders when they have sixty five thousand strong in there week in and week out, the Raiders are going to be a top five revenue. Um, creating team in the NFL, revenue generating team in the NFL, top five coming from where they were coming when they were in the thirties, because they were playing at an antiquated, you know, old stadium in Oakland. uh, And before that, Los Angeles, they didn't have luxury suites or any of the, you know, uh, restaurants and things like that, that, that all these teams uh, get to tap into at their new stadiums across the league uh, for revenue stream. They didn't have access to that. The Raiders—that's why they were sitting at thirty, thirty-one in terms of you know revenue generating teams in the NFL, and it was crushing them. It's hard to compete uh, realistically against teams that are able to just have more money, access more money to put into the product because they have stadiums that generate that kind of revenue. Well, those days are over, and so the Raiders, uh, when when Allegiant Stadium opens. Are going to be in the top five rather than the, the you know down in the 30s, and it's going to make a world of, of difference. Uh, speaking of which, uh, having a little bit of foresight and you know understanding the importance of locking down good players as quickly as possible, uh, the Raiders made that happen yesterday by bringing by by signing Colton Miller, uh, their left tackle, to a three-year contract extension. Remember, he still has uh, a year left. He was drafted in 2018. 2019, 2020, 2020, 20. so he's in his fourth year. This year, uh, he has a fifth year next year. Um, so uh, he's got you know a three-year extension on, on top of that that makes him uh, a very rich man. Uh, he's going to be making, um, on average, about 18, over $18 million. Uh, that's the going rate for uh, a left tackle, the good ones, and he's more than, than earned it. I, I have been asked the question, hey, uh, you know, uh, were the Raiders a little bit too hasty uh, in doing that? Did they sign him too soon? He is uh, the first play- player from the 2018 draft uh, to sign an extension. Um, did they do it too soon? I, I don't think it's ever too soon, um, you know, when you start talking about these things. When you start getting into the fourth year uh, of, of, of a player's contract, um, a good one that you want to keep, uh, it's usually the earlier the better, uh, and for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, it's just a good gesture. You want, um, you know, you want to you want to thank the guy. You want to get him locked in. Um, so so there's that. There's also the cost certainty. Now they know what their left tackle is going to cost them. You know, for the next what five years uh, or, or or so. Um, so there's 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 that, uh, and now they are able to. to with that solidified, they could go address other needs because they know exactly what Colton Miller is going to be making uh, through the length of his contract. Uh, so you, you, you get that cost certainty. You also uh, get ahead of the process. Listen, the TV money is coming. In 2023, uh, those need new, new TV deals kick in in a major way. The, the uh, NFL their new TV rights is an 80% increase over the one, the deals that are about ready to, uh, uh, you know, to, to expire. We're talking about billions of dollars of extra money that's going to get start coming in, and we all know <clears throat> that players make uh, of the of total revenue. Players make 48.5% uh, goes directly to them. 
Um, we've explained this before. I know savvy fans understand this. Um, you know, salary caps are predicated on uh, total revenue from the year before. Then take forty-eight percent of that and slide it over to the players. And of that forty-eight percent total of the one hundred percent, you divide that by thirty-two teams. That's how the salary cap is predicated. Well, pretty soon, uh, you're going to see salary caps that are going way up, like into the. Into, it's going to get to three hundred million dollars, probably four hundred million dollars at some point, uh, because of these new TV deals and and what it's going to mean uh, for for revenue and what it's going to mean for salaries and what it's going to mean for salary caps. So that's going to happen uh, at some point. And for the Raiders, uh, you know, they've kind of beaten the whole process to the punch by go ahead by going ahead and uh, and resign or extending. Uh, Colton Colton Miller. Uh, I don't have all the details just yet. Uh, I've been checking uh, to find out <laughs> what exactly it's it's going to look at. What we do know, it's forty two point six million dollars guaranteed, uh, and he is signed now through twenty twenty five. So you've got twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. The next five years, two of those years, twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four are going to be seasons where that new TV money starts really kicking in because that's when the contracts begin. That's when the new money starts flooding in. So uh, they have already scored away 2024 and 2025. Um, They already know what they're paying Colton Miller. So uh, you know now as the Raiders what your left tackle is going to cost you. Uh, Having that kind of cost certainty is is really important because also – you have other players that are going to be coming up. Right behind him uh, is Clee Farrell. Uh, I do believe Clee Farrell gets a second contract. I do believe Josh Jacobs will get a second contract. It's tricky with running backs. Um, there's a uh, uh, you know a, a, a body of belief that do you pay a running back for a second turn? Um, do you give the the, the the running back the big contract? Um, you know uh, after the rookie deal. Gets a little dicey. Look at the Rams, you know, with Todd Gurley. Um, there are cases to be made where it's just too risky. Uh, the the you know the volume of hits, the physical toll. Um, you know, do you get your money's worth on a second contract for a running back, uh, or do you just go draft another guy and not have to worry about you know extending that contract for the kind of money that a player like that. Uh, would expect and rightfully should uh, get. Um, so we'll see about we'll see about um, you know uh, uh, Josh Jacobs. Other guys that are going to start coming up. Uh, Hunter Renfro is a guy that you're going to want to keep, right? Uh, Trayvon Mullen has a big year ahead of him this year. Um, a second round pick and guys like that are drafted be, you know beyond the first round. Uh, now you only have those guys under control for four years. So Trayvon Mullen is going to be coming up here pretty soon. Hunter Renfro is going to be coming up here pretty soon. So you have to always be looking at all of those uh, situations and all of those uh, dynamics on your roster. Um, and all we keep talking about how there's 53 pieces to that puzzle, and all those puzzle, all those pieces need to fit together to complete a puzzle, that puzzle that's under the salary cap. And it's hard to do, and it takes a lot of foresight. It takes a lot of – you're going to make some tough decisions. You have to make difficult decisions. That's why Rodney Hudson isn't here uh, now. That's why Gabe Jackson isn't here right now. You think the Raiders really thought, oh, we're a better team without those guys. They could be. 
their replacements could play better than those two guys. But that's chancy thinking at this point. The chances are um, you're going to take a little bit of a step back uh, in, in, in play. Uh, you hope it's not a huge dramatic uh, step back. And we've seen far too many times where uh, you know young players get the opportunity, young players seize the opportunity, and turn out to be just fine at a fraction of the cost. And obviously that's what the Raiders are, are, are counting on. But it just you know, go, kind of goes to show you, and it goes to the point of you have to make, you're always making difficult decisions um, in terms of your salary, in terms of when to hold on to a player, when to exp- extend a player, um, when to offer a second contract, when not to do that. You know, uh, there are times where, and the, the, you know, the Patriots have been really good at this, and uh, so have, um, you know the, uh, the the Rams have have been doing this really well uh, recently, and that is um, saying goodbye to really good players instead of extending them. Um, John Johnson comes to mind. Corey Littleton comes to mind. Where the Rams said, "You know what? We would love to have you, but we can't fit you in. You know, uh, we're going to have to move on." And you collect the uh, compensation pick. And reinvest in another young player. Uh, we talked about this yesterday about how to do that. The successful teams that are able to do that and make those hard decisions and not feel a huge kick to the gut because you're losing a really good player and not adequately able to replace them. The good teams are able to to uh, to, to to make those transitions, to make those decisions, to say goodbye to a really good player because you believe you have a good player waiting in line, the good teams are able to draft and develop. You're in this continual phase of drafting and developing. And we talked, we've talked about this, how you might not see that player as a fan for a year or two. Um, they call it red shirt, taking red shirt years and development years. Um, Andre James is a perfect example of that. Raider fans don't know, you know, what he's really capable of doing. He's played what one game uh, in his career, his two-year career here, played reasonably well as a rookie in that game. Uh, but you know, what a Raider fan! How there's no way that a Raider fa- that Raider fans, myself, and you know, I'm not a fan, but I'm a reporter. I haven't seen Andre James play. Um, I've seen him in practice, you know, but that's without pads, generally speaking. And you know, you're not going full speed. It's not tackle into the ground. It's not a real uh, rep uh, that you're going to get in a, in a in a game. So I don't know, you know, if he's going to be able to hold down the fort. And nobody, how can we? All you can really look at is what he did in college and what he did in that one game, you know, that he replaced Rodney Hudson. So, but, you know, the good organizations, the good coaches are always monitoring that and so you know while all the focus is always on that starting five there's also a lot of focus in practice and uh in the classroom on the young guys that you're developing behind those starting five players Uh, and you know there's film on everything now you film every single practice and and trust me coaches uh watch that film uh, to see what guys are doing during practice because you can't always get a visual uh, on guys because uh, you're busy doing something else as a coach or focusing on something else, then you get a chance afterwards uh, to watch that game uh, or that that practice footage to see what everybody's doing um, across the board. So, um, but but I, I, again, um, 
you know, you're making these difficult decisions over and over and over again every single year on who to bring back and who not to bring back uh, and hoping that you have adequate replacement in mind uh, when you have to say, unfortunately, hey, I can't, we can't bring you back. And, and that was the case with Rodney Hudson. It was the case with Gabe Jackson. They didn't want to necessarily lose those two players. I mean, those are, were stalwarts uh, along the offensive line, guys who were anchors on this offensive line uh, for more than a few years. And so there is risk uh, in moving on from them. But, you know, when you know that you got to pay a Colton Miller here coming up, and you know that you have other holes uh, to fill, you know, on on the team. Again, sometimes you're going to have to make difficult decisions, and the Raiders made those difficult decisions. They've moved on, uh, and and now they're you know hoping that Andre James can hold down the fort. They're hoping that you know Denzel Good uh, decisively you know locks down one of the guard spots. Obviously, you got to hope uh, if you're the Raiders that that. Um, uh, Richie Incognito is healthy uh, to get through a season. Uh, you know, I think he's got one, la- <laughs> probably one last run in him. And if he's healthy, then then he should be fine. In fact, I think the Raiders missed Richie Incognito quite a bit last year. Um, but you know, uh, hope that that he could get another season uh, so that you, you now have your center, your guards, and your left tackle. Uh, and now the big need is is the right tackle. Uh, talked to Evan Grote a little earlier. Uh, from Silver and Black Today and Just Pod Baby and, uh, you know, echoing what Tom Cable said in a recent article uh, by Vic Tafer uh, in The Athletic that, you know, singing Brandon Parker's praises. And uh, I would caution that, hey, it's, it's, it's April right now. Um, what else is he going to say, right, uh, about, about Brandon Parker? But I think it would be chancy, to say the least, if you're going into next season counting on Brandon Parker, who just hasn't been able to lock it down when given the opportunity, um, it just it just hasn't worked out yet for him. He's got the physical skills. Uh, he obviously you know looks the part, uh, but for whatever reason, when he's been given the opportunity, he hasn't been able to seize it. So we will uh, see. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Dave is in Denver. Wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider Dave? I'm doing pretty good. I'm really glad you brought up about revenue, and I think that the forecast is right. It is going to get pretty darn huge. But one of the things that I do want to point out, and I'll lead to what I'd like to get as a fan of not only the NFL but uh, the Raiders, is point out the vision that Al Davis had in moving the team to Los Angeles because he understood what pay-per-view was going to be, and he wanted to be in the biggest market where he could make the most money with that being the future. So jump forward to today where we have a world in which everything seems to be uh, offered on a stream. Me as a Raider fan, and, and I listen to Raider Nation radio, I don't live anywhere near Vegas, but I'm tied in, I'm locked in, and I really love the Raider broadcasters. If I jump back to being a kid, I did not want to listen to Bill King. And I think there's a way that if uh, the NFL could make a little more money, pay in to get like Oh, this. man, Raider Dave, can you call right back? And you're, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're breaking up just a little bit. If you could give us a call right back. 
we'll get Raider Dave uh, right back uh, on. Uh, but but and you know talking about uh, about the revenue, and uh, I want to hear what his uh, his you know where he was headed uh, with that. But um, but there's no doubt that um, you know the, the Raiders are going to be in a really good place financially, um, and it's not that they've been in a terrible place financially. They were, I, I think they spent. Top five in terms of cash last year. Uh, they were top Raider five Dave in Denver is back spending uh, last year, so it's not like they're hurting. It's just that they're going to be really, really in a good position when the building opens. Raider Dave, uh, thanks for calling back. Uh, if you can, if you can go ahead and, and, and finish your thought, I like where you're headed with it. Yeah, no, and thinking of the fact that we're all trying to stream stuff these days, we've got you know Pluto TV, we've got all the kind of stuff. I think there's an opportunity not only for the NFL to make more money, but the teams to make money. And for us to listen to our hosts, to listen to Link, to, to listen to who the guys are on radio. And I know radio is different than TV. I work in radio. I understand that. But I think radio is even more descriptive. And if all the people out there didn't notice by not being in a press box, most of the time the guys on TV are calling the game off of a monitor anyway. So even the radio guys do that some because they have the video feeds in there. And I want to listen to my Raider broadcasters and stream the games. And I just think that there's an opportunity to do that and add to the revenue, not only for the team, but for the NFL. Okay, Raider Dave, um, and because I'm in a press box on Sundays, so I, I don't know uh, how that works. If you can, if you can school me on, on that, when, when you are, you're not able to listen to like a Raider broadcast on the radio, uh, there's probably some rights infringements or things like that, that you can't do it out of market. Oh, absolutely. If, uh, if you know, you, you have to, like Raider Nation Radio is not going to pay for the rights to the game. They, they can't stream that. So they, then they couldn't stream the video because the video is property of the NFL or property of CBS. So that all has to be worked out. But I think each team and their own website could eventually get to a streaming operation where it's just like what Al Davis thought, pay-per-view. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and do you think that there's a lot of fans like yourself who would like to listen to the local telecast on the radio while watching the game uh, out of market? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to listen to that. The, the problem is, is, the, is the, the delay. The video delay yes. for audio is different than video. So the only way to really get that right is for the teams to pay for the video from either CBS or NFL and be able to have that. Or maybe they're offshoot of NFL Network. But the, the fact is that the local uh, hosts, Lincoln and Musburger, got to be the ones to call the game off the video so that that stream, that feed, is actually in the correct time. That's really the only way it would work. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool if, um, you know, uh, just because you want that, that local flavor, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and I'm well, sure you could and, listen to And the here, this, and this, Vinny, there's going to be, it's not just CBS and AFC anymore. They're changing all that stuff around. You yeah, know that, exactly. Right? For like the, it, it's, it's always funny because when I was, when I was younger, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you're probably right there with me. I'm just going to assume that. Uh, but like CBS was the um, uh, NFC. NFC. They were the yeah. NFC yeah. with Fox Brent Musburger. Around. Right, exactly. Fox wasn't around, so it was NBC. Or yeah, NBC had the the uh, the AFC. I can remember that because as a right, kid, right. watching all and those such, 
such better announcers. They were more rounded. They did more stuff. You had guys doing NFL, and then the next weekend they would be doing, you know, a billiard tournament or bowling or whatever. <laughs> the guys were so much more rounded. I, Kirk I Gowdy never, and Jack Whitaker yeah, and Jack Aroot. Yeah, all those guys. Jack Whitaker, uh, Dick Ehrenberg. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, those are the voices that I grew grew up with. But yes. They were the AFC, and uh, CBS had the NFC, and, and that's where you had Brent Musburger and Irv Cross and, 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 and all of those guys, and uh, their, their game telecast. Vince Scully did football games back then on CBS. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so, uh, so those were, 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 were definitely, uh, definitely good times. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, the NFL obviously is showing – uh, in their new media rights, which they uh, approved yesterday, that they've got the finger on the pulse. They know where to pivot, where to turn, uh, where to uh, tap into uh, for revenue streams. And you see that in the calculations. I mean, they just hit a home run with these new TV rights. You're talking about an 80% increase <laughs> from the last package uh, to right. this package. That's going to make a lot of... And let me uh, throw this up, too. So the broadcasters that everybody listens to on TV are contracted through the TV networks. But if the teams have their website be able to stream the games, the teams are the ones that are end up paying Link and Musburger. They pay their own uh, broadcasters for all of that. So where you're going to get into a streaming problem, if you want to do any history looking at how radio and the artists, once streaming started to happen for radio stations, ASCAP and all that went out berserk and a whole bunch of laws had to be changed and uh, you know all the artists wanted their money. Well, as soon as you take any of the TV broadcasters that are calling games and you let them know that everything's going to be available over on a uh, stream, well, now your audience numbers are huge, so they're going to want to get paid more. So you, you, But they don't work for the NFL. They work for the, for the network. So yeah, all that's going to get straightened out as they start streaming this stuff. But, heck, we can pick and choose what we want to go ahead and purchase on our TV and our smart TV and all that. I want Raider nope. Nation a TV to where I can watch the game and listen to our announcers. Well, we'll try to, we'll try to make that happen, uh, that's for sure. And I, and I think that uh, things are moving in, in certain directions where you're probably going to see a lot more things that are happening on the websites and things like that. Raider Dave, thank you so much for the call. Really appreciate it. You're in the huddle of Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a... Wednesday and a beautiful Wednesday it is here uh, in Las Vegas. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, uh, and uh, talking about the draft, talking about the new TV rights deal that's going to pump in a whole bunch of money uh, here uh, into NFL teams and NFL players. Uh, talking about Allegiant Stadium, what that's going to mean for the Raiders in terms of their revenue uh, and their ability to really compete. You know, on a league-wide basis, uh, when that building opens up, uh, 
fully. You know, obviously last year was was a wash. Uh, fans weren't allowed in uh, to Allegiant Stadium uh, due to COVID nineteen. But when it opens up for real and they're sixty five thousand strong. The Raiders are going to be a top five revenue team uh, in the NFL, and uh, that's the reality, and that's a new reality uh, for them. And uh, this is really, really just the beginning uh, right now uh, as far as the Raiders' present and future here in Las Vegas and what this move for them here to this market is truly going to mean. Uh, and, and obviously, it all comes down to, from this point forward, making the right decisions, drafting the right players, developing those players, um, you know, uh, just being on top of things as an organization in terms of the personnel. Uh, but uh, the, the financial might to be able to make things happen uh, becomes a really important factor. Look at the Rams, okay? Look at the Rams moving from St. Louis to Los Angeles. And the owner didn't change. It was the same owner right? It was the same owner, but the power of being in a bigger market in a, in a, uh, having revenue now that you're going to be able to tap into from, uh, SoFi stadium and just the being in the market of Los Angeles, uh, it was a game changer for the Rams, you know? And, and so, you know, look at the bold moves that they make and the aggressiveness that they show, uh, in, in bringing in players and signing players to big contracts. Uh, I think that, you know that's that's an approach that that they're taking. Uh, I, I don't know that the Raiders are going to be as aggressive. Maybe they don't need to be as aggressive in the in the Rams' case. You know, you think about where they were in 2016. They were a horrible football team. We were sitting there in Los Angeles thinking, "Man, we waited 20 something years for this. Send them back to St. Louis." Um, but you know, they made some 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 good moves. They they uh, went out and, and signed some players. They got aggressive. Uh, they had to get aggressive. That roster was terrible, and you know they hit on some players and they hit on their coach. Uh, and the next thing you know, they're 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 playing good football, and now they're pumping money into the into the product and signing players to big contracts and things like that. Um, but I, that wasn't necessarily the case for them in St. Louis uh, because they were at the bottom of the rung in terms of revenue. And while the owner is super super rich. He's not dumb, you know. Uh, he's not going to be necessarily, you know, putting his own <laughs> money uh, into it. Uh, it doesn't really work that way, you know. So, so being in a great position in terms of the market that you're playing in, um, the resources that you're, are available to you in that market, as the stadium that you're playing in, uh, the revenue streams that that stadium can create for you. Uh, that's what the game changer is for, for everybody. And you're going to you know, start seeing that more and more with the Raiders being here in Las Vegas. And I give the Raiders just a tremendous amount of, of, of credit for the vision that they had for themselves here in Las Vegas and, and making it come to fruition. And I know you're saying, well, Vinny, you know, uh, the, the, the they were still eight and eight last year, and I and I get that, and I understand that. And there isn't anybody over at the facility in Henderson who um, is satisfied with that at all. It keeps them up at night. Um, it keeps them up at night, and there is a an obsession to get that fixed. And it hasn't happened as quickly as as, as everyone would have hoped. You know, since John Gruden took over here uh, three or four years ago in two thousand and eighteen. But there is progress, and it's important 
not to lose sight of that. Uh, this roster is in a much better position today than it was in 2018, without question. You know, without question. Now you need some of these young players uh, to to really step up. You really, you know, to to, to uh, take steps forward. I think it's going to be a combination of them just naturally getting better. And when I'm talking about you know players getting better, I'm talking about mostly defensive players. Um, you know, Damon Arnett and Trayvon Mullen continuing to get better. Jonathan Abram needs to get better. Um, Clee Farrell continuing on the path uh, that he forged for himself last year. Max Crosby. Uh, continuing to 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 improve uh, the additions of Yannick and Gakwe. Uh, obviously, Corey Littleton needs to get better from last year. I think Nick Wachowski building off of what he did last year, Nicholas Morrow the same. Uh, that's what you need to have happen on this defense. Uh, but you also need to hit on some some you know draft picks here. Gus Bradley needs to have the effect uh, that 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 he uh, was hired to have, right? Uh, but also, you know, when you're talking about young players. Henry Ruggs needs to take a step forward this year. And if you've been watching, you know, paying attention on social media, he's definitely putting the work in, as is Damon Arnett. I think they work with the same with the same trainer. Uh, they've been getting after it, and that's a good sign. And I think that, you know, go read some of, um, you know, uh, Damon Arnett's uh, tweets and, you know, some of some of the things that he's saying and, and just reading between the lines um, he's ready to come back with a vengeance this year. And, you know, uh, I think there was something about, hey, walk a mile in my shoes, um, you know, something along that, that, that effect uh, where, you know, uh, kind of maybe the way he was judged last year by some fans uh, who didn't have the full picture of what was going on. I've tried to, you know, I'm not making any excuses for Damon Arnett. It is what it is. The guy was hurt. <laughs> the guy was hurt. For pretty much the whole season, I re it's hard to believe that a guy can have wrist surgery in after week three and then come back seven weeks later or so and be 100%. It just doesn't work like that. Like, life doesn't work like that, you know? Uh, imagine going back to me, myself, after eight weeks of out coming off of a, you know, uh, broken wrist uh, getting it uh, operated on and fixed and coming back eight weeks, you think I'm going to be able to type without a little bit of pain or a little bit of discomfort eight weeks later? I doubt it very seriously. <laughs> I, I do. I'm not. I'm no doctor or anything like that, but I bet you anything that I'd be in a little bit of discomfort. Uh, and, and, and here comes Damon Arnett, a rookie in the NFL, going back out there on the football field after gutting out a very painful injury for the first three weeks of the season – yeah, it's not going to be good, probably. And there's going to be – this is a rookie player who's trying to make his mark in the NFL, trying to get his footing in the NFL. And, you know, he was dealing with a, a, a wrist injury that plagued him pretty much the entire season, set him back by months, set back everything, his progress on the field, his work in the weight room, all of that. Um, then there were the con concussions, so – um, but go, go watch, go, go check it out what he's been saying on, on Twitter. And if you're reading between the lines, uh, he feels like he's got some people to shut up basically. And to, to prove wrong people who have, you know, maybe judged him prematurely. And I, I'm, 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 I'm not a victim of that. In fact, I've been urging people have patience with Damon Arnett. He went through a lot as a rookie. That's not an excuse. It is what it is. He suffered through a very difficult physical season, um, and but you can't 
just base everything off of that season and say, well, he's not any good. Well, based on how you didn't really get a chance to watch him play, not fully healthy, that's for darn sure. Um, and, and you know, the, the starting and stopping and starting and stopping and uh, having surgery, you know, three weeks into your first season, it's, it's, it was really a difficult year for him. But it's behind him, and I'm sure he's learned many a lesson from that. Um, and, and based on what, you know, his, his, his Twitter feed, uh, some of the things that he's been saying, uh, he, he can't wait to get back on the field and, and show people, you know, what's up. And same with Amik Robertson. Um, you know, here's a guy that, go watch the college tape. He's a good football player. He's a good football player. I'm not saying, I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be a successful NFL player, but there's too much there that you see on tape from his college film to not think that he's got a future in the NFL. He's got to put it all together. They all do. No question about it. Um, but this is a good football player, a tenacious football player that brings a lot to the table. And unfortunately for Amik, uh, kind of caught between a rock and a hard place last year. He's a guy that played outside corner in uh, in college. Go watch the film. In fact, he, he played pretty darn well at that position, defending some pretty talented players. Uh, he played uh, against some SEC schools. I want to say that he played against um, Louisiana, or, uh, LSU and more than held his own. But it was at outside uh, cornerback. He's more of a slot cornerback profile you know, with his size, uh, about five foot eight or so. Uh, so the vision for him was to move him to the slot. Moving a making a position move like that, I know that in the whole scheme of things, you're like, well, it's still cornerback. I mean, you know, he's he's playing cornerback. How hard can it be? Well, um, it's harder than you think. That's how hard it is. Uh, you're seeing the game from a different vantage point when you're lined up inside in the slot. Furthermore, uh, there's more run responsibilities uh, because of where you're situated on the field. So you're seeing things from a different vantage point. Um, you're playing from a different vantage point. You're being asked to do, uh, you know, more things in terms of pass coverage and run defense, um, and so there, it's a lot to bite off. And unfortunately, uh, for 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 Amik, it was just too much to bite off in a year like last year. That's why we go back to OTAs, man. Yeah, okay, uh, Players Association, um, you don't want OTAs. It's ridiculous. Ask Amik Robertson if he could have used OTAs last year. I think he would be saying right now, yeah, man, I could have used OTAs. Uh, it really set me back not having OTAs. Where is the Players Association thinking for a guy like Amik Robertson, a young player like Amik Robertson? Um, I, I, I just don't get it. Don't worry all about the veterans. There's a whole bunch of young players, and it gets younger by the day in the NFL. There's a whole wave of young players that come in every single year that push some of these veteran players out. Maybe that's what, what they're worried about. I don't know. But anyway, the, the, the point is you can't forsake those young guys and their development just because somebody has already gone through that development process and really doesn't need it anymore. They're a finished product at this point. Okay, great. So how about the young guys that haven't gone through that process yet? Think about them more than you're thinking about the guys that already have. You're in the Huddle Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, so I uh, got a chance earlier today uh, to check out uh, the Raiders' uh, new uh, tavern. Um, it's the Raiders' tavern, bar and grill, uh, over at the uh, M Resort Hotel and Spa. By the way, so, by the way, saw so, uh, JT the Brick uh, over there uh, today. Good to see uh, my good friend uh, JT and all the uh, all my new friends uh, in the media out here. Uh, in, in Las Vegas, it's a whole new crew, uh, but making a lot of friends, um, and, and it's, it's, it's really a good group. Uh, appreciate uh, all, all you guys, <coughs> excuse me, and, uh, and, and, and gals. Uh, everyone does a, a great job. This is a, a, a very professional town, I have to say, uh, and, and, it's, and it's good people. But uh, I have to say this. If you're a Raider fan, uh, you have to make it a point uh, to go check out uh, the Bar and Grill, the Raiders Bar and Grill. Uh, over at the M Hotel, and just listening to Mark Bedane, uh, some of his comments uh, today after the ribbon cutting ceremony about how uh, it seems like I don't know if this is official yet, um, what he said, but it looks like there's plans to be able to run shuttle buses uh, from the M Hotel uh, up to Allegiant Stadium on a game day and get you back, obviously. So uh, it sounds like uh, maybe there's a, a, a way that you know. Fans can start their day, you know, over at uh, over at the uh, the, the tavern, uh, and then uh, hitch a ride over to Allegiant Stadium. It sounds like, uh, you know, uh, I hope I'm not putting any words in Mark Bedane's uh, mouth, but it sure sounded like that's what he was uh, he was talking about in an interview that I was just watching. Uh, so that would be really cool. Uh, but even you know, if you want to talk about your game day uh, experience, um, you know, whether you've got tickets to the game or and you're going to uh, use that as your starting point and maybe the end point uh, to get you back safely over over to uh, the M Resort, um, or you're just you know in town and, and want to watch the game with a bunch of Raider fans uh, at a great Raider bar. Um, it's it's it, it checks off all the boxes. The food was fantastic. Um, did sample a couple of the uh, the cocktails and they were uh, pretty darn good too. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, of course, you're going to have that. It's a beautiful setting. Um, there is a patio area that overlooks uh, the hotel or, excuse me, the pool at the M Hotel. So it's got a lot going for it. And again, if you're a Raider fan, it's Raidered out. <laughs> you know, like it is wall to wall Raider gear, Raider helmets, Ra- Raider footballs from Raider games. Um, jerseys. Uh, there, there's a place where you could go shop for all your gear, um, and so uh, the staff was tremendous. Uh, they were uh, on top of their game today. I know t- tomorrow is a big day for them uh, over there because uh, it officially opens to the public tomorrow. So if you're in town, um, you might want to check open table because I think there's uh, a line already forming uh, to, to get in there. Uh, but hey, that place is going to be here for a long, long time. And it is Las Vegas. It is at a casino, a beautiful casino, uh, by the way, uh, over at the M Resort. So it's going to be open 11 a.m. to 7 a.m. every single day. 11 a.m., if you didn't hear that, 11 a.m. to 7 a.m. every day. So chances are, at some point, if you're in town, you're going to be able to get in there uh, and and, and check it out. And it really is a fun place. And, And it's one more step. Uh, for the Raiders uh, in their new home as they make their mark in their new home. It's quite the undertaking. 
when you when you land in a new market and and try to plant your roots here um, and and become part of uh, the community. And you know, one of the things that Mark Bedane was talking about was was opening the Raiders opening up their arms to their fans and everyone being a part of this uh, whole thing, whole situation here in Las Vegas. Uh, so what you know, and we all know that Raider Nation again runs far and deep and wide and long. Uh, it's a it's a global, iconic um, you know uh, logo and and um, you know uh, team and franchise, and so you know fans are going to be coming in from all over the world this, to see this to, to be part of this. It's it's that kind of an iconic brand, and to be able to have a place. Uh, where they can go to and feel the love of the of, of being a part of the Raider and Raider, Raider Nation, uh, you're not going to get any better than than there. And that's on top of everything else that's going on here in Las Vegas, the stadium, the the facility, uh, going down to the strip. There's always Raider fans down there. Um, so it, it's a cool scene. It's just starting. Uh, we're all happy to be a part of it um, and and chronicle, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting it together, together, whether it's writing, video, the Las Vegas Review Journal, where I cover the Raiders, uh, here at Raider Nation Radio talking about it. Uh, it's just a lot of fun uh, to be part of what's really history in the making. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Thanks to DeMond Cotton. I know he wasn't feeling well. Thanks for uh, soldiering up uh, and, and being as good as you always are. Really appreciate you, DeMond. Uh, thank you to the callers today. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks to everyone over at the uh, Raider uh, Tavern Bar and Grill over at the M Resort uh, Hotel and Casino. I appreciate you. That was a lot of fun today. We will talk to you guys tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m., in the huddle, Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. <laughs>